Welcome to Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. And I'm Lucy Cecil. Oh, it's taken a right faff of time for us to get to this point, hasn't it, Lucy? It has. We've had a few technical issues, haven't we, which we haven't really encountered before. Some internet network problems, which just very frustrating, as everybody knows, but especially when you're trying to record a podcast. Oh, and recording on a Saturday as well, where I expect the internet to be better than, you know, in the week when everybody's working from home. So, excuse me, Mr. Internet, put another record on because we don't agree with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Put another dime in the jukebox, baby, of this podcast, please. <laughs> How has your week been? We're actually going to see each other after this in a socially distant manner. So this is so exciting to be able to, well, will we have anything to chat about after we've done this recording who knows? But how has your week been in any case? Yeah, it's been okay. I've had my first week of my new job, my temp job, which I'm doing uh, this sort of for the next couple of months. Um, it's been very intense. Uh, it's taking inbound phone calls in a customer service way. And it's just been call after call after call, talking to lots and lots of people saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, um, which is, you know, it's fine um, from the comfort of my bedroom. But uh uh, my back is broken and I need a new chair and um, it's uh, yeah it's fine but very tiring who knew full-time work was so difficult <laughs> I know what a trip eh what a trip um, absolutely <laughs> has anybody told you anything funny on the phone uh yeah a couple of I've, I've had I get the same I've had the same joke every single day from old older men who like to do the every time I you know I finish call I always say is there anything else I can help you with today and Every day I've had at least one, if not two, older gentlemen say to me, oh, not unless you're giving out money, love. (laughs) Or asking me if I know the lottery numbers. Uh, Well, they're wholesome jokes, so we can get with that. Yeah, they're very sweet. Lots of nice, sweet people to speak to. Some not so sweet, but you know, it takes all sorts, doesn't it? So yeah, no, it's been all right. How has your week been? Yeah, it has been literally fine but um to go to jump ahead to my living for because this relates to my week um my living for this week is that I am reunited with my plant jungle oh nice so they all back in their back in their spots well most of them um so at the beginning of um covid sort of before we knew what was really going on and everyone was like bulk buying pasta and like robbing toilet rolls and things um at that time I was like I don't really want to be for various reasons just in the city center like whatever blah 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 so I was like I don't know when I'm going to be back here like what I'm what I'll be doing because we just didn't know how things were going to be at all then so I um shipped off some of my larger plants to my auntie's house because she's just had like you know like one of those giant extensions that people have where they have like a ginormous kitchen um so she's had one of those ones and um they didn't have any plants or anything I think they were gonna like get some so they adopted them for basically a year um but since I've I've been back here way longer than that but I just have never got them so I'm now reunited with them and uh yeah I think I've got a couple more I still need to go and collect but it's just so nice to have the um, the living room jungle back because I was like, oh, you know, is it going to be just a bit too much? You know, because I've just like been used to only having a few plants. And I normally have like 38 plants. But um, now that they're back, I'm like, as Luther Vandross once said, never too much. So there you have it. I'm very happy about it. Absolutely. You cannot have enough plants. Uh, I think, you know, we all know that these days. Were they, were they, are they flourishing? Were they looked after well? I hope they were by your auntie. 
Well, my my uncle was mainly looking after after them, and he is um, into gardening, and he like grows orchids in like a special greenhouse, and he's like quite into things. So, um, yes, nice. for the most part, the only thing is is that um, some of them I've had to kind of um, give a bit of TLC to because they they have underfloor heating in their new like kitchen. And I think that has affected some of them a little bit, like kind of dried them out a bit. And then you have to water them loads, but then they don't like that. So they get a bit like cross. So they're fine. I've just sort of like trimmed around the edges of some of the leaves, but um, I don't know if that's the thing that you're supposed to do, but that's what I've done. Like giving it a little plant haircut, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like most mostly fine. I think there's only been maybe like one or two casualties out of a lot of plants. So I'm just very grateful that someone was willing to foster them while I was doing what I needed to do. So yeah, I'm living for being reunited with my plant jungle. How about you? What are you living for this week, Lucy? Well, that is very wholesome. And I'm very pleased to hear that your jungle is back in full swinging order. Um, I am living for, right, so this is a bit lame, but you know, it is it is what it is. So um, in this in this household, we don't watch much like proper linear television, but one thing that we do love to watch and is back, and we didn't even realize was back, but is back and bad, is MasterChef. I knew you were going to we- say bloody MasterChef. <laughs> <laughs> we love MasterChef in this house. We absolutely cannot get enough. Um, And to be honest, you know, it's just nice to have something to sort of like watch uh, on some nights of the week and be like, oh yeah, a mass chef on tonight, that's going to pass an hour of my time and we're going to like be able to shout at some people on the telly and, you know, just enjoy our time. So And see Monica, which is always nice. Say again, sorry. And see Monica, which is always nice. Oh, it's not Monica because Monica's MasterChef professional. So this is like MasterChef normies. So it's just Greg and John, unfortunately, two of the worst men on television. But <laughs> it's just Greg and John in in the bum in the bunker. Yeah, absolutely in the bunker. Yeah, of course. I forgot about your bunker. Uh, I don't agree with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree but, with um, the bunker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 all of that. It's everything I could ever want. I just love um, Master Chef so much. I think it's so funny and Is, entertaining. So. Okay, so two questions I have. Okay. Yes. Um. Is MasterChef professionals in the bunker? Yes. So everything's always in the bunker unless they go to a special restaurant. Always in the bunker unless they're allowed out on a day trip. Yes. Yes. Okay. And my second question is, on MasterChef normies, are the MasterChefs good? Or are they just like normal and trying something? So it's supposed to be like Britain's best home cook. Like, you know, like someone who like just is good at cooking stuff and then slowly learns throughout the the show to like get better and better. But it tends to be now that like the people who are starting are like people who have watched MasterChef for years or whatever. They've already learned like how to make 10,000 tweels and like uh, squid ink shit. So like it's it's pretty high standards from the off, I would say. Um, But some people are just not as good and are just sort of like good home cooks, but they're still, still the caliber is very high. (laughs) So it's it's beyond the the chicken wrapped in prosciutto. (laughs) Yeah, those days are far behind us. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm living for. Why not? It's nice to have, uh, love to watch some food on the telly. Um, so, But what are we longing for this week? We've got a joint longing for, haven't we, Olivia? And please tell us, what is it? 
Yes, so we are absolutely longing for the same thing this week. And it's been a while since we have had a guest on the podcast and we are very thrilled and pleased to announce that we have another guest joining us next week and we are very, very excited for it. So next week, we will be very pleased to bring you a brand new guest episode with author Laura Kay talking about her debut novel, The Split, which is, uh, let's just say, very relatable story about a lesbian breakup. So it's got cats, it's got barges, it's got flying back to your mum or your dad's house to lick your wounds. It's got all of the elements that, you know, we've all probably unfortunately lived through in our lives. So I think that this book is going to hit home with a lot of people. It's going to be really great to speak to her about that. And also just really nice to explore queer literature and to speak to somebody who is contributing to that because we love to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait to discuss um, the book. Uh, It's a a real thrill ride. And um, yeah, we can't wait to have her on and um, talk about all things queer lit. Laura Kay, if you're listening to this, we are longing for you and can't wait to catch up with you next week. And another thing, Lucy, that I'm sure you'll be both living and longing for when I tell you this is I've had the intel through the blogs that apparently there could be more UK hun coming our way in the near future from the United King dolls. And they have all said that they will be absolutely up for recording a hit album. And Bimini is trying to manifest that apparently in a very active way so that it does happen. And can you imagine what that album would be like, Lucy? Oh, be absolutely stunning. I hope if, if if any, even if any of the other tracks hit as hard as UK Hun, it will be a delight. So yeah, I mean that would be great. I hadn't heard that. Um, that I would absolutely love that, and I think it would be. We could even oh, imagine we could do one of our special album review episodes. Oh, I would absolutely love that so we we must make an appointment to do that and um yeah that their bandmates ahora and taste have even offered a couple of potential titles for a uk hun follow-up so we're talking ping pang pong or ting tang tong so you know really the creative juices are absolutely flowing from this band and i'm really excited for what's to come yes absolutely uh that is going to delight every sense when it hopefully comes to fruition so whilst we're on the subject of music and albums, why not? Let's do it here up at the top of the show. What's your track of the week, Olivia? Let's do it here. Let's mix it up a bit. Keep the people on their toes. So this week, Lucy, I think as we are kind of slowly trying to get our head around there being another universe in which we're not all just stuck inside and we can actually go to clubs and bars and maybe like dance and maybe have a one pound gin and tonic from GAY like maybe at some point maybe in 2022 like who knows I think that a small bit of my brain is allowing me to like think about bangers again queer bangers and basically one of the songs that is fulfilling that criteria for me as I kind of look ahead to whatever the future may hold and hopefully it is good is a new song by Rebecca Black called Girlfriend have you heard this song Lucy? I have it's very good absolute queer bop it's an absolute queer bop and it's basically all about and again you know I'm sure we can talk about um this with Laura Kay as a bit of um a trope that we've all kind of we all know about which is when you're in a relationship or your friend is in a relationship and 
it's not going very well but then you go back thinking that it's going to be the best thing ever or your friend goes back thinking it's going to be the best thing ever and you're either the friend or you're the person and you're just like either in the car crash or you are the bystander and it's about that kind of real kind of innocent slightly blinkered confidence that you have going back into a relationship that is just not going to work but it's feeling sort of problematically optimistic about the future of it I suppose and it also has one of my favorite things in pop songs which is when at the beginning or just at any point in the song they pretend that they're leaving a voicemail oh yes I love that it's such a good thing in a pop song absolutely yeah and also like who leaves voicemails anymore so I I really appreciated it and so at the beginning it's like let's talk could you call back bye like and it's like really grainy like she's leaving a like she's leaving a voicemail for her girlfriend that she wants to get back and yeah it is just all about it's all about that moment that either you have witnessed or you have like been involved in yourself so um I think very relatable but it is actually considering that it's probably about something that's going to end in complete unmitigated disaster is an absolute bop so that's what a good pop song is all about in my opinion Definitely, yeah. It's a very relatable, fun track. Um, Definitely uh, one for when we can start partying again that we will be so pleased to hear out on the dance floor. Um, And actually, I guess guess moving forward, what Rebecca Black and other people should be really doing is is not, I mean, love the voice, the voicemail part element, but maybe what they should be doing really is recording a voice note. So I guess that's harder to um, to uh, transfer into like, into a music, like what it actually sounds like if you're recording a voice note, isn't it? So I guess it is like that but that is the modern day version yeah you could maybe like um you know do the bit at the beginning where it's like bloop, bloop, you know it when, does like, do that doesn't it yeah yeah the noise yeah oh yeah that would be good okay well when we release our debut album <laughs> littered with voice notes <laughs> okay well I mean I don't know I don't know whether I'd be too nervous like under those circumstances to be like leaving an ex a voice note it just feels a bit too too much I would like just just send very clipped texts but that's just me and I'm a Capricorn so I agree I I also think there is a there is and this is completely arbitrary but there is like a distance that a voicemail allows you that a voice note doesn't I feel like a voice note is quite personal and quite you're in the chat you're in the chat you're literally within the four walls yes exactly Whereas voicemail is like something your dentist would leave. So yeah, it's, it's like off to fine. the side. It's an appointment. It's adjacent. It's adjacent. Yeah, I'm, I'm so bad with um with voicemails though. I like literally listen to my voicemails like a year after they've been left. I can't do it. <laughs> I like never get any calls. So <laughs> I had one. I had one from our friend Kate the other day that was from like three years ago where she was like, "Hiya, call me back." amazing i know she's still waiting on that call okay well voice note to self don't leave you any voicemails no but absolutely leave me a voice note you can be within the four walls that's fine okay perfect love to love to have you got um a pop banger for us this week lucy well actually i was gonna say uh that i will be uh switching the mood a little bit on this um it's not a pop banger uh it's it's a great song but it's not a pop banger for for once i feel like a lot of mine are usually bangers but mine my track of the week is a new track from absolute stalwart of the sad indie people of 90s and the noughties it's the new song from bright eyes uh which is a track called flirted with you all my life which i just think is the most bright eyes name for a track ever (laughs) it really is it's like you've gone onto a bright eyes song name generator and that's what has come out 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, I I saw it. It came up on my like uh, on my Spotify like release radar, and I was like, oh my god, that <laughs> this is the the most it's the most itself thing I've ever seen, and it's a really good song. Like it's very just sort of you know a bit sad about like it's sort of about like a a, a friendship sort of love, um, and about like being scared about the end of the world, except and stuff and it's just very good very very good track um but yeah not 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 particularly uh boppy but um a very nice song so that's my track of the week oh absolutely stunning so speaking of flirting with you all my life lucy which tv shows have you been flirting with this week other than MasterChef and the idea of its um of its return of course Absolutely, of course. Obviously, my my main uh, crush is MasterChef, but, uh, you know, I like to dabble, play around, fl- flirt with other shows. Um, and I've been watching, so I started watching this show uh, year, years ago. I watched, like, the first, most of the first season, and then I just thought, do you know what, I'm going to try and get back into that and see what it's like, it's now got, like, three seasons, three or four seasons. So I've been watching, have you heard of Search Party? Yes. Yeah, so Search Party is, like, a sort of thriller come comedy show starring Alia Shawkat um as um and like her group of friends as like a bunch of like uh basically just like self-centered millennials who end up having to sort of face real life crisis um and it's just it's so it's so good and it's so funny and it like really strikes the balance of being like super tense and um like uh, quite sort of unnerving as well as being just really really funny um and all the characters are just brilliant they're so vain and self-involved and you kind of are like you know screaming at them to not do the things they're doing um and yeah without like um doing any without like any spoilers as to what sort of happens within the show the first season is sort of like a mystery caper of trying to like track down a college friend who's gone missing so alia shortcuts uh character gets really obsessed with trying to find this friend and like ropes in all her mates to like help her do this and yeah so they she wants like she basically is like at a crisis point in her life wants some purpose in what she's doing and so she decides that this is what she's going to do she's going to track down this friend so they all just um get involved in this mystery caper of trying to find this friend and then not going to say what happens um but sort of like the second season becomes more of like a a thriller because of like the outcome of their actions in season one um and it's just so good it's it's great it's got there's some queer characters in there if you want some queerness it's there um but it's just so funny it's half an hour episodes super light but also with an element of darkness which i like um and yeah i can't can't recommend it enough it's very very funny and I just think that uh if you like that kind of thing you will be very into it um oh, I want to say to you that um one of the script editors and writers and also does a cameo in it is Jordan Firstman who I know you're absolutely obsessed with so <laughs> if you like his comedy you will like the show yeah I I need to watch this show I love Jordan Firstman the most and like if you ha- if you don't know who <laughs> he is I bet you do know really you just might not know his name but um, yeah. find him on Instagram or on TikTok for all of his incredibly, incredibly amazing impressions. Like if you want to see an impression of an Amazon iPhone charger that's brand new but doesn't work, you can just go and see that. Or like um, someone who's had a near-death experience and is really bored by it. 
you can absolutely things that you never thought you wanted to see you can see through the eyes of Jordan Firstman so um yeah go and check that out definitely I'm very excited by the prospect of search party I'll definitely be watching that yeah it's so good and and like uh those those descriptions that you've just given of a few of like Jordan Firstman's um little uh skits and stuff like it's it's that kind of funny it's it's so good you you will really like it I think a lot of people who uh if you like just sort of comedy things get it watched it's so funny I I can't wait to keep watching it yeah, I obviously Jordan Versman um, was a writer anyway and has kind of blown up more from being on TikTok. But I'm, I'll be really interested to see um, if some of these comedians that do have this big platform on TikTok, especially through the pandemic, will um, get work in writers' rooms and things like that off, off the back of it. And I'm sure they will. Like, you know, for example, like Caitlin O'Reilly, who is amazing, Um and she does an impression of like the the wasp mom who wants to get the vaccine before anyone else and um, loads of different impressions that are just so, so funny. So also check her out on TikTok on, and on Instagram if you want to um, have a nice time. But yeah, I, I, I just think that's, it kind of um, breaks down a lot of those walls and kind of like access and privilege that a lot of people have to have in order to get into those spaces because all you need is a phone and the internet and to be funny. And I think like a lot of people have found a voice that they couldn't have sort of put forward into the mainstream through any other way. And I guess having like the dedicated time to do that through the pandemic for a lot of people is like really helped. So I hope that um, this helps with the whole um, issues that writers rooms have around like privilege and diversity and stuff like that. And that um, TikTok could be a voice for good in that. And, you know, you know, I love TikTok. So um, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 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 on the, the money with that. Like, I, I think the, the market now, like social media, is the market now for like a lot of writers and stuff. It's particularly like in comedy, I think. So yeah, and I think it's re- a really a force for good in terms of like access and privilege, like you said. So hopefully, yeah, they'll be we'll be seeing lots of like great telly and stuff coming from people who we think are really funny. So that'll be really good. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what I've been sort of watching. What have you been watching? Um, I have finished um, the Netflix series that came a couple of weeks ago um, called Ginny and Georgia. And I was attracted to this because I saw a clip of it on most, the most Netflix Instagram um, that showed that there was um, an out lesbian character as part of like the main cast and it was high school. So I thought, you know, we would talk about it because I knew you would watch it at some point. And yeah, it, it, it was it was a good show it, it's kind of about ba- basically the way that the mum describes it is it's like Gilmore Girls but we both have bigger boobs so that is basically the concept of the show no it's not the concept of the show is sort of similarly to Gilmore Girls there's like a young mum who is 30 and has a 15 year old daughter and a young son and it's about how they move to this new town um to create a new life but um there's a lot of skeletons in the closet and um although on the surface it is quite a light um a light comedy drama it also um has a kind of like dark undercurrent that that runs through it and you get the impression that Ginny who play uh, sorry, and you get the impression that Georgia, who plays the mom, has um, a much like darker past than you see initially. And um, you do get to discover quite a lot of that as the series goes on. But I think that there's still a lot more to come. So I'm not sure if it's going to be, I'm not sure if it's going to be renewed for a second season, but I, I imagine it will be um, because it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. 
Um, but yeah, I think that representation in um, the series has been really good. And I think that like they, they do a lot to dismantle certain, on one hand, they do go down the route of like, sort of high school social structures and you know popular ones cool ones geeky ones kind of like trying to gain like social currency and like what's cool and what's not but I also think that the like barometer of coolness is is has is slightly different to be a little bit less like toxic and I think that like the a guy that she dates um normally in in another sort of typical high school movie would might be seen to be as like the geeky one because he's really like proud about working really hard and he's really intelligent and he enjoys to like dance and he's quite he's reasonably like emotionally intelligent and communicative and isn't like isn't horrible to her and isn't like cheating on her and I think that that was really nice but there is still this other guy that she likes who is very much like every single guy in every high school movie that like smokes once and doesn't want to go out with you, but also like keeps you hanging on. So that, you know, high school never ends and some things never change, but um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I think um, from an entertainment point of view and also as having queer representation where we see um, the main character, Ginny's best friend, Max is a lesbian, has been a lesbian from being quite a young child. And um, having a really sort of positive experience with that, with her friends, with her family, you don't see her kind of going through this life of misery or like depression or upset because of her sexuality. You actually see her thrive and feeling like she's able to communicate her feelings. You see her have her first relationship and it's all kind of like quite, it's all kind of quite healthy and it's quite out in the open rather than like, oh, we need to be like in the shadows about this. And no one gives her a hard time for it at all. And no one kind of um, tries to denigrate her or over-sexualize her. The only time we see that is when she tries to kind of do that to herself because she she is confused about how she needs to kind of like act out her lesbian identity in a sense and I think that's sort of coming from more of an internal place than from her friends so I think that actually like it's a really positive depiction of um a young queer character so if you're interested in that then watch Ginny and Georgia I know you've watched a couple of episodes what what do you think of it yeah so I've just watched a couple episodes so far and um it's yeah it's so easy to watch very entertaining I agree like you said all the the queer representation from Max is really great um uh, it does have my favorite thing of like all high school programs where everyone who's supposed to be like 16 is played by like a 23 year old which is always just of course we'd love to see it um but yeah and uh yeah no it's really great um I also love that the mom of uh Max and her twin brother Marcus is uh Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek which we love to see obviously oh, she's stunning yeah and she plays a great yeah. character as well yeah absolutely yeah it's it's really good it's really entertaining I I would describe it so far as um like Desperate Housewives meets Love, Simon. (laughs) Yes, yes, it's very that. It is very that. Yes, it's got like a light, a light high schoolness um, dealing with general like high school dramas and stuff, but in like a very sort of light way. But then it's also got a darkness to it um, with people who live in these like uh, sort of slightly facade 
based you know houses and and um communities and but there's more bubbling under the surface in the way that there is in like desperate housewives um yeah i, I re- i'm really enjoying it um i i'm finding it the the perfect sort of tonic at the end of a day to just you know nothing too deep nothing too like uh you have to really concentrate but it's very entertaining and um yeah it's, it's made me laugh a couple times like properly which is good so yeah i think i like it it's really good yeah, I think I think it, it is really good. I think, I think it still has things to learn. I don't know if you've heard um, in the press about Taylor Swift um, hitting back at Ginny and Georgia yeah. for a line that they included in the series. So um, they, I think it was Georgia's character who I'm paraphrasing says a line that's something like, oh, you're getting through guys faster than Taylor Swift or something. Um, and she responded, I think, on Twitter and said, um, hey, Ginny and Georgia, 2010 called and wants its lazy, deeply sexist joke back. How about we stop de- degrading hardworking women by defining this horseshit as funny? And I can see that if you were Taylor Swift, you would not be that pleased about that comment. And it is reductive. Um, but also, it is the kind of thing that that character would say, but does it make it right to be like, perpetuating it and also focusing in on one person um yeah in that way probably not yeah it is it's 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 reductive and it and it and it is a a a, an old joke as it were as well like it's 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 sort of like you know that's what everyone's always saying about taylor swift it's a bit like uh boring in that sense um but uh uh, yeah it's definitely got things to learn um and it you know but it has good potential and it is um just a fun light entertaining show but with a little bit of uh, a little bit of mystery thrown in which we love we love Mm. to see so olivia in my newfound um full-time working status i am tragically unable to listen to as many podcasts as usual so i don't have any recommendations this week but i know that you always find time for the oral pleasures of life so what have you been listening to? Oh God. Um, okay, so <laughs> I'll 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 give you a quick rundown of um, some of them first, and then um, there's one that I wanted to talk about at the end. So um, I've been listening to um, there was a series that Deborah Messing um, off of Will and Grace, who played Grace, she um, put out a series. Um, I think this year called The Dissenters, which is about people that she views to be kind of like dissenters in society and people standing up for. Um, their beliefs and kind of setting themselves apart in some kind of way and there's a particularly interesting one that she does with her friend um Chris um that she does with her friend Christian Siriano who is a designer and I absolutely love love everything that that man makes um he kind of rose to fame a couple of years ago when Leslie Jones was um complaining I think on Twitter that she had um no one who would dress her for award ceremonies and she was picking up awards and was kind of really gaining traction as um an actress and um as a comedian and I think he was relatively unknown at, at, at the time or at least kind of in a mainstream sense and he replied back and just said you know I would love to dress you and dressed her she looked amazing and has since just gained this massive following and probably uh, you know like um the big award ceremonies dresses a huge percentage of the a-list celebrities there and dresses all different kinds of bodies is very inclusive um about all of the design work that he does and was talking to deborah messing about that and kind of how that all came to be and he just was kind of saying that you know he didn't understand why there was this disconnect with designers and they were cutting themselves off from dressing like three quarters of the population that could be 
dressed and just from like um a business side and from a financial side he was like to me that is just stupid like why would you do that um but um because obviously it is and obviously it's just like wrong on many levels so he kind of set himself apart in that way and it's massively massively um paid dividends for him as a designer so that was really interesting to listen to because I absolutely love everything that he makes um another podcast that I would like to talk about um I listened to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend a lot and recently they had um Jane Lynch who everybody knows as Sue Sylvester and I was incredibly nostalgic for our time at uni watching and re-watching Glee and um she talks about how that kind of character came to be and um what that role meant to her and um yeah it was just incredibly nostalgic for a very specific time in our lives like what we were talking about last week with boy parts that kind of sort of mid noughties um experience of watching a lot of things on sky plus absolutely yeah god we used to watch glee a lot i always forget that because i always feel like i haven't watched glee but it's because i never really watched it like in an order in in sort of a sense but we did watch a lot of glee (laughs) a lot of glee was was consumed in sheffield between the years of 2009 to 2011 let's say um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So um, I've, I've enjoyed that. So go and listen to that if you want a bit of Glee nostalgia. And on Table Manners this week, they had Lydia West, who we all know now from It's a Sin. And that was a really great episode. They were talking about some behind the scenes stuff with It's a Sin, how difficult it was to get the la just right and how that was a whole process and um, finding out a little bit more about her. And I, I didn't realize that Years and Years was her first ever um, TV role that she got. And I believe um, It's a Sin was her second. So she's still quite a new actress on the scene, but is obviously going to end up being absolutely massive. So um, she was really, really sweet. And it was really interesting to kind of um, find out a little bit more about It's a Sin. So if you're missing It's a Sin and you want some kind of adjacent content, I would recommend that. Also, um, <laughs> do you ever listen to a podcast that you know is just like the equivalent of eating lots of bags of Skittles where you're just like, this is probably bad for me. And yet here I am doing it anyway. Yeah, maybe I'm not, uh, maybe please tell me what this is. I'm very intrigued. So I listened to this podcast, um, which is from Wondery and it's called even the rich. And it basically chronicles, um, the stories of rich influential families or couples in sort of pop culture history So um, they've had like the Hiltons, they've had uh, the Murdochs, um, the Kardashians, which is one that that I've I've listened to. So they're all like mini series. And then the more recent one that I've listened to is like the story of Beyonce and Jay-Z. And there's like, there's usually like four or five episodes in a mini series on this podcast. And it's like, yeah, it's like the equivalent of eating six bags of Skittles um because you want to but you know it's not lunch do you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) I do know what you mean and I can imagine that podcast being that sounds interesting though it is interesting to know about these big like mogul families and uh the the sort of around them but is is, is it more of like a a sort of uh serious look at what they do or is it like um comedic is it is it jokey it's it's a bit of both but it's kind of like whether like 
And Jay-Z was thinking only one thing. And it's like, how do you know what he was thinking? But I'm just there for it. Um, <laughs> so I've Amazing. just finished that. And I think I'm going to maybe do the Hiltons next. That's uh, probably next on my list. So um, yeah, if you want to know how these people got to be so rich and their and the stories kind of behind their journeys to fame and fortune, then that is definitely the podcast series for you. And I also listened to, I know we've mentioned this a couple of times, um, the Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer. And this week she had Rhea Butcher on the podcast. And it was quite interesting because she was talking about um, the breakdown of her relationship with Cameron Esposito sort of for the first time and what it was like working with your wife in such an intensive way and how you can kind of like extrapolate yourself from that in a way that you know, makes sense. And um, that was interesting to to listen to because I think probably they were one of the most sort of famous married lesbian couples um, in the sort of modern era anyway, and were so involved with each other um, professionally that that must have been really difficult to kind of untangle yourself. And then also like your creative and comedic identity, like on your own after you've come out of that relationship. So, um, that was interesting to listen to. And finally, the last podcast that I want to mention is um, one called Sentimental Garbage, which is um, produced by Caroline O'Donoghue. And there is a mini series now within that, which is called Sentimental in the City. And that is with Dolly Alderton and Caroline O'Donoghue, where they dissect and discuss Sex in the City series by series as if it were a great American novel. And I think that that as a concept is really interesting. And listening to them chat really reminds me of like, you know, I assume you did English A-level. Yes. It's very like the discussions that you'd have in English A-level. And that's not a read. It just kind of like made me miss, you know, having those discussions where you're like, you're so, you're so passionate about, about something because you're still kind of young and you maybe haven't, you know, you're reading these like great works for the first time and you've got like so many thoughts about it. And um, the way that they approach Sex and the City with the same sort of like fervor and passion is very similar to that and each episode is like two hours long and their hearts and souls are being poured into this content before our very eyes and ears so if you're at all interested in sex in the city and the kind of cultural footprint that it has left then you will be very interested in listening to this and sometimes I love a really long podcast I can really just bed in settle in and I think um you know, because we've not been able to go out and do stuff as much. I listen to podcasts all day. It's just like how an elderly person might listen to the radio, you know, for just like some nice company while I'm, you know, in between Zoom meetings. So it's great for that. And um, yes, they are all my many podcast recommendations for the past couple of weeks. You truly have been getting through it. I am stunned. Yeah, this is one of the things of my new job is because I'm on the phones. I can't listen to music or podcasts and um uh, like it's sad to me that that's something I can't do within my working hours anymore because that's something I'm so used to is like listening to music at the same time as working so but it's just not that kind of work which is fine um so yeah um but I yeah I actually started listening to that um the uh, sentimental in the city my sister sent it to me because we used to watch Sex and the City a lot um together she used to have the box set and she'd give me a couple of DVDs at, at chef in when we we're at uni together like we we're both in Sheffield at the same time for uni and um I'd watch a couple of like while I was getting ready for lectures and stuff I have a real like um nostalgia for Sex and the City it's 
uh you know it's in there's a lot of problems with it except everybody knows that um and but there's something about it that I just I do love I do love it um and actually I read recently so I follow um and he's a really good follow uh on Instagram uh Raven Smith who's uh, a columnist for uh Vogue and he just writes so funnily about like whatever he's writing about I really like his writing um and he did a article uh, a couple weeks ago when it was announced that well actually it was a month or so ago wasn't it or uh, this is from January 11th, actually. So it was a couple months ago, my God, um, <laughs> where he talked about the reboot of Sex and the City that is coming. Um, and uh, he, his, the, the article that he wrote is called Get Carried Away, Entering the Alt Universe of the Sex and the City Reboot. And he basically just talks about how uh, he's not sure that a reboot is necessary, et cetera. And especially not with Samantha, obviously. Um, so yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if you like Sex and the City and you want to read somebody's very funny it's quite irreverent writing about it i would totally recommend reading this this article and also following raven smith everything he writes is very funny and very on point in my in my opinion um and yeah no i i do intend to listen to that podcast more i just haven't haven't had the time yet to actually do it because it is quite like you said it's long so i'm like i want to get into it i want to fully listen to it um my sister said it was really good for talking about like uh like the first episode particularly about like story arcs etc and stuff so it's good for like character arcs and storytelling so I'd be very interested to listen to it um yeah Sex and the City a weird one I don't I just I I do I do I have I have a lot of like problems with it in my mind um especially you know when it's associated with one of the worst films of all time Sex and the City 2 um but I also (laughs) (laughs) I also absolutely love it and feel a real comfort and nostalgia whenever I'm watching it god I do I remember so vividly watching the very last episode of Sex and City with my mum and we'd gone round to my um stepdad's house and I think it was when they were kind of you know dating before they lived together and stuff when I was um I don't even know if I was a teenager I can't remember when the last um episode aired but um we went round to his house which we hardly ever did because they always used to come to us and I remember we got like a Chinese takeaway and me and mum were like really excited to watch it but no one else was interested in any way and just like kept talking and we were like shut up this is a very significant moment for us <laughs> amazing that's perfect <laughs> throwing a sweet and sour chicken ball at their heads um so yeah it was uh it was very annoying but um yeah that was like such a such a moment and I love when series make such an impact that you can remember you know the last one you watched as being like this significant um this significant moment and I think that Sex and the City for me is like where I can remember that most sort of viscerally um yeah and you know I was kind of thinking obviously you can go through Sex and the City and talk about all the problems that it has but does anything exist now from the past that was like a sort of pop culture fave that doesn't have loads of problems. Like, I don't think anything exists that is problem free from the, from, you know, the recent past, nothing. Yeah. Most things that were like, let's say like a mainstream big pop culture moment uh, tend to have problematic elements because, because they were huge, big things at their time. And at their time there were problems. So they were things that reflected those issues like those problems like it's going to be the case you are right no I I totally agree and I think that like there's definitely um there's definitely space and relevance to talking about those problems and identifying what those problems are so that we can like learn from them for the future but I also think that we kind of can't can't live in a world where we cancel all past popular culture because of that like 
I think that we can still we can still be fans of things and still know that there are like contextual issues with, with them and that they do they do talk about that in in sentimental garbage in, in sentimental in the city and kind of talk about um the specific space and time that these things were recorded in and the kind of context that surrounds certain decisions or certain like plot lines so you're really going to get like a 360 view and there is absolutely not a lack of passion for the subject in this podcast so if you are a sex and city stan if you have that shoebox this is for you so i know that um now that you're a working gal you haven't had much time um to listen to many podcasts but how have you been coping with getting those pages in lucy have you read any books this week um so yeah a bit bit of a struggle to read as well because i don't have much time but um what i have been um doing and over the past couple of weeks and have come to an end now uh is i have been listening to an audiobook of um and that has been a good way to uh get some pages read in a sense i was like listening to it and it, fe- it the book feels like a podcast so i was kind of like oh yeah yeah whatever and then i got to the end of it and i was like oh i've technically read another book so um, i always forget that with audiobooks so i've been listening to um it was it was available on the i know we talked about this on the podcast before uh borrow box which um is connected to your local library uh if you're a, a library member which i am and i miss the library so much such a lovely building and place to go but you know we shall return one day um so i saw that this was available and i'd always been um intrigued to to read it and i thought it would make a good listen so i listened to um Lost at Sea, the John Ronson mysteries, which is by surprise, surprise, John Ronson. So John Ronson's like a, you know, best-selling author. He wrote most famously, I think, The Psychopath Test, which I read when like a thousand years ago. Um, and like he just investigates really interesting, strange stories. And I like to listen to things about stuff like that. Um, and this is, it didn't disappoint. It has loads of different stories in it, all about uh, various things from like um AI, so like robots, uh, to um UFO hunters to people um like spiritual healers uh and um various different like you know uh communities in in society that um are sort of maybe uh seen as a bit strange or or just on the on the fringes of reality um and yeah he he just investigates various different things very interestingly and it's a great book to read if you just want something uh that's got like real yeah it's just got like human interest in it and it's very easily very digestible and really good as a uh audiobook it is from like 2012 i think so it's like a bit dated in the sense of like there's definitely more things you could add to each of the chapters about various parts of people's life but it's still very interesting um and yeah i'd recommend if you're into that kind of thing so yeah that's that's the only book i've read this week how about you yeah that's a great rec i've listened to a couple of john ronson um books on borrow box as well i listened to the psychopath test actually on there and um, if you don't know he's also got a couple of really great podcasts so go and check those out as well it's kind of um variations on a similar theme really interesting stories and he has a very um distinct voice so literally a distinct voice um but also a distinct voice so yeah go and go and check that out i have read one more book this week i am still on my Roxanne Gay trip and um I have read I think I believe it is her first ever um piece of work like her first book that she had published which is a collection of short stories that I think were published in different journals and magazines that she then collated into a book and the book is called Aiti um and it's 
all different stories about um, life as part of the Haitian diaspora and um, really interesting, really, really different stories. And some of them are just like a page. Some of them are maybe like 30 pages and um, quite a lot of stories um, that talk around queer identity and and queer love as well. So um, from that perspective, you're definitely um, getting something from that. And I just love her writing so much. There's one particular story um, called Of Ghosts and Shadows within the book, and I wanted to read a little bit from this. For now, we are women who don't exist. We are less than shadows, more than ghosts. We're the wayward relatives neighbours gossip about in hushed, horrified tones. We are the women people ignore because two women loving each other is an American thing, not the sort of behavior God-fearing island folk would engage in. There are a few people who live openly, men mostly, artists who are indulged in their bright-colored sashaying about town because their work is so brilliant. But even they meet with contempt now and then, an insult hurled here, a sharp rock thrown there. And when they get sick, they are greeted with smug smiles, a harsh reminder of all good things, as their bodies waste to nothing. There's really great stories in there. And that particular one is um, about two women who, as you probably gathered from that, um, have a secret relationship and um, what happens to them and to their story. So I would definitely, definitely recommend checking that out. And um, yeah, I I think it's really nice to read a short story collection from time to time, especially when... um, you're maybe not in the frame of mind to read a whole massive novel. And because it's all kind of grouped in this common theme, you sort of feel like you've read a novel in a sense, because it's kind of all um, all part of that experience. So I would definitely recommend that book as well. That sounds great. Um, again, very powerful, wonderful, evocative writing from Roxane Gay. What more could you want? It's time to turn to what's really been pecking our heads this week. That's right. It's time for... I don't agree with it. So, Olivia, what is it this week that uh, you do not agree with? So, I know that I don't agree with this, but I don't know whether it's, like, fair for me to not agree with it, basically, for several reasons. But it's also kind of a food-adjacent one. You've really just ignited something within me in the past couple of weeks, because I know that you had a few as well. And my I don't agree with it this week is... When people say, so like if I'm watching YouTube videos about cooking, which is like the main thing I do on YouTube, is when they say things like a fourth cup instead of a quarter. (laughs) Um, Because why would you say a fourth cup? And because to me, that is like saying, so like normally if you're like, oh, put put in half of this block of butter, that's like saying like you put in a tooth of butter. Like it makes no sense. Like it makes no sense. Not it's not a it's not a reasonable fraction. To the tooth of butter. Yeah. Do you understand me? Yeah. No. That is. I've I've never really heard that. Um. I assume that that might be like an Americanism. Are they American? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, cups in general tend to be uh, American measurements, don't they? So, um, I've not. I've not really heard that. I have not come across that. That's really? interesting. But I agree that that is a very strange way to to say quarter. Yeah. Why would you say a fourth cup? I mean, I have no problem with cups. Cups are fine. I have cup measurements myself. I myself dabble in cups. But um, a, a fourth, really? Because but and they, yeah, they, no, they, I they mean, never say a tooth. Interesting. So and they say a fourth cup because I I wouldn't really mind if it was a fourth of a cup. 
but they say just a fourth cup. They say a fourth cup. I would mind if they said a fourth of a cup because that also is is silly, in my opinion. But it's more, but it makes more sense than yeah. A it, make, cup. it makes a bit more sense, but I'm still not not satisfied or agree with it. Because if I was watching that and I was like maybe following along and they said, okay, put in a fourth cup, I would think, oh, I need to put in my fourth of four cups of this thing. Yeah, yeah. No, they never say a fourth of a cup. They say a fourth cup. Terrible. I agree. Very bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I'm glad. Um, I don't feel as bad now. What is it that you don't agree with, Lucy? Is it a food one this week? Oh, well, in some ways, yes, but not in the way you might think. Um, so this is something that's been going on for a few months in uh, my in our flat here in Manchester. We have had, and, you know, I, I would like to first preface this with saying that, you know, this is a building problem. This is not the way that we live, but... <laughs> this is not the way, the way that you mouse live in issue. What? You've got a mouse <laughs> issue? We have had over over the past few years of living here, every now and then, very, very rarely, we used to encounter a mouse. It first happened when I was coming back with my ex-girlfriend and we were walking into the house <gasps> and we were walking into the flat building and we turned to go up the stairs to, to the flats and there was a mouse just sat on one of the steps. No, there we was like, not. <laughs> no, there was not. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. And we were like, oh, okay. And then did, did not see a mouse again for a very long time. And then over the past few months, um, I mean, quite a while, uh, every now and then, mouse is appears to one of us. It's only whenever one of us is alone. And it's when the house is like, when the flat's gone dead quiet and stuff and it's come out to play, right? Um, and uh when we chained did the kitchen two years ago, we thought, right, that's it. We're going to like block up all these holes where the mouse is coming through. Cause there was, the kitchen was very badly done um, in, in the flat before we, before we renovated it. Um, and when we did it, we thought, right, that's it. Bye bye mousey. Okay. So, but then um, since then uh, not much has happened, but then in the past few months, always Izzy <laughs> when she's alone <laughs> would be encountered by a mouse every now and then. Um, so much so that we we joked about her making it up, but we knew she wasn't making it up. But so what we did, we set traps. Oh my God, we did. We set so many traps, but nothing nothing was getting this mouse. It was just not doing anything. And then we realized a couple of weeks ago, we realized in our, we have like a big corner food cupboard. Um, we realized it had been getting in and we found nibble marks on like all of our, like we had to throw away so much food. It was so upsetting it was really horrible really not pleased about that um and we realized that so in this cupboard because because these flats were absolutely thrown up and just basically really shoddily done um and we've had many issues with like you know the plumbing and all things but when like it that. goes on the There's market like a pipe buy it that... <laughs> <laughs> come on will <laughs> um uh, in the kitchen and this was a whole issue when we were when we were designing the kitchen when we redid it there's this a really annoying pipe that runs like through the the middle of like one of the back walls it's just so stupidly designed but yeah. um 
because of that there's like a hole in the in this back cupboard and the mouse little mousey has been able to get up in there and get in all our stuff so we were absolutely fuming and we were like I'm not having this anymore so we like emptied all the cupboards put traps in there and they were even getting in getting the like peanut butter off the trap and then like leaving not <laughs> dying <laughs> it was just like oh my god what are we working with so sort of like ai rats and that was just so annoying um so but what we did uh, me and adam went to b&q a couple of weeks ago we're like right we are we are doing this we are getting this done we uh, Adam had created this amazing like wooden like little barrier to go round the pipe so that it couldn't get in. He's drilled it in, like like screwed it in and it still managed to get through because there was like a gap like because they can get through a gap that's like as big as the pencil. So like little wily bastards. So we were just like absolutely fuming. So what we did was we we stuffed all the holes we could find in the kitchen with steel wool, which is like what people say to do. Um and um, no, no, what we actually did was we put in some traps first because we knew it was getting in there. So we we're like, if we can get it in here, then we can then we can get it. You know, we know it's coming in this cupboard. So we did. We tried some new traps and some new trap um, trap uh, logistics, and eventually we did catch one. It was tiny, tiny little little guy, um, and uh, very pleased to have done that. So then after we did that we left it a bit longer and no, none seemed to come for for a couple of nights so then we still walled the whole thing absolutely like completely done and nothing has been coming in and we were like so pleased we were like well, hey we've done it we've like got rid of the mouse like it's mouse gate is over mouse gate is over um because as long as they can't come in like the, the building is probably riddled with them but as long as they can't come into the kitchen i'm not bothered like you know it's it is what it is so um and they can't they can't they're not getting in anymore but what we had done is underneath the the cupboards behind the kickback we put traps as well like by where the pipes are and along the walls so that if any do come again they like can't even get up but they can't get in anyway so it's fine we have fixed it but the other night so this was a couple of weeks ago and then the other night we were sat in the living room watching uh, watch, watching a film <laughs> and then all of, a, all of a sudden we just heard the of a mouse trap and then it was just like and it was so horrible <laughs> And we all just looked at each other like, oh no. Um, yeah, so I just don't agree with having to live side by side with nature in such a distinct and close way, especially when they get into your food and especially when they're still around and you just have to every now and then get, dispose of a dead body. But luckily Adam tends to do that for us. So I'm very blessed to have him here. But um, yes. That's what I don't agree with this week. Oh my God. That whole story has made me feel so stressed and itchy. Yeah, it was actually, it's actually weird how stressful it was. I, th I think for like when it was sort of happening every couple of, like literally every four or five months, we maybe would see a mouse, but no, it wasn't getting in the food. And we'd just be like, oh, okay, whatever. But that was when our lives were like, we were barely even here. When it's the fact that like, they are here and we're here all the time and it feels like not everything is right and uh yeah it was really very stressful uh like to know about that at a time when you when when you're so in the house do you know what I mean I don't know yeah it was an extra layer of stress um but yeah I think we have we have conquered it and it's not getting in our food anymore but they are still around and uh yeah we have caught one so another I, one can't you, oh god I cook can't you get um can't you get the building to get pest control in because it's obviously a building I mean, issue not just your flat yeah i mean we could try but our building uh management company are 
as most building management companies are absolutely useless. So um, yeah, I will be sending an email to let them know and to tell them they should probably have it looked at, but maybe you will could anything get it- happen? Probably not. Could you get it done through the council? I don't know. Potentially. I think there is potential for that. Um, I just, I don't really know, but I'm just pleased that we have, um, you know, maintained, the, have, have got it to mouse zero in our own flat. So that's pretty good for us. <laughs> I can't believe it's mouse zero. I can't believe that you've been going through this whole mouse epic and you've never mentioned it once. Yeah, it's a bit too like stressful to like talk about, like to like ignore it when I don't have to think about it. So... <laughs> I uh I figured that it was now that it was over um I kind of once it was over I sort of forgot about it and then when we were when when we heard the trap go the other night I thought oh I don't agree with that so I thought I know when to bring this up (laughs) wow well I I was never expecting this this saga I just I'm I'm sorry for you that you've been dealing with that Thank you so much. It's nice to feel supported uh, at such a terrifying time. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind mice that much as long as they're not eating my food. Like I, they don't bother me in terms of like a creepy way or like they don't. It doesn't make me like scared. Um, apart from like if they just turn up unexpectedly or if they're eating my fucking food. Like it was really annoying to not be able to know that my food was not infected by mice. You know what I mean? So, um, but apart from that, they don't. They don't. They don't bug me in that that sort of like. Ugh! creepy way what like if they get cocky and they chair, just like but... climb onto your bed and get in your bed well that is not okay obviously i've never had one down here luckily because i'm like the furthest from the kitchen it's definitely the kitchen where they're getting in so um luckily fingers yeah. crossed touch probably, wood, no, probably nothing no malvices are ever nuzzling up to me in bed so no like rifling through all your queer literature yeah they're probably <laughs> not after the not after the same things no exactly (laughs) oh well that is that is stressful and it sounds like it's kind of coming to a positive conclusion hopefully um but we must hope this we must hope this well I feel like I need to go and take a restorative walk to get over that tail and that's a good job because that's exactly what we're going to do next isn't it Lucy it is how convenient (laughs) (laughs) and um if you want to report your um tales of woe if you too have had a mouse in your house as we mentioned last week you can get in touch with us um on our new voice note leaving um mechanism so it's not a voice mail it's a voice note because we want you to be within our four walls as we mentioned earlier so you can go to our anchor website at anchor.fm forward slash queer longing and you can get into our dms or you can like all of our gorgeous content and also we've been leaving a few nice little clips up there on our instagram for you to enjoy a few little teasers a few little nuggets for you to um enjoy and if you want to find out more about that you can head to at queer longing on instagram and you you can also tweet us at Queer Longing or send us an old-fashioned, good old-fashioned email at queerlonging at gmail.com. So there's no excuse to uh, not get in touch because we are waiting by the proverbial phone, as it were, for your call. And um, until that point, we will be loving you, leaving you, and longing for you until next week. Bye! Bye. Lucy that I'm sure you'll be both living and longing for when I tell you this is I've had the intel through the blogs that apparently there could be more UK hun coming our way in the near future from the drag king dolls drag king dolls from what they're called oh yeah (laughs) 